On today's show, me and DG will be cutting it up about our old men right before Father's Day. And then, the first ever listener question extravaganza. Corey with the K, let's rock. And we're back for another edition of the Sip and Serve podcast, where we sip what's cold and serve what's hot. My name is Clay Roll, a.k.a. Rolski, and I'm joined by Corey with a K. And across the table, I got my main man, DG. What up, DG? Hey, man, what's good? A um, little different this week. Uh, we, we typically record on Friday nights. Uh, we're actually recording on a Wednesday night this week because Rolski's got a little trip, weekend trip planned. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, man. I'm heading out in the morning, which will be on a Thursday morning, a thirsty Thursday morning. So when you guys are hearing this, I'll be actually be on my second vacation. Right. Week but, after. Uh, yeah, I'm heading out, heading down to North Lake. Going to have a good time, brother. Good deal, good deal. And then uh, we had to delay recording just, just a hair because uh, we didn't want the electricity to go out on us. Pretty big storm rolled through. Hell here. of a storm. Hell of a fucking storm here in Frankfurt. We got branches everywhere. We got greenhouses in my driveway. You had the neighbor's greenhouse almost blow into the side of your garage. Shit. Well, here's the thing. My neighbor's a dipshit in the first place. <laughs> so who who the hell's making some makeshift greenhouse and don't even strap it down? I mean, we had we had maybe a fifteen mile an hour gust of wind come through and the sun bitch was already tipped over. Then the fifty mile an hour winds kicked in, it's in my fucking driveway. Yep. Had the sirens going off, wind was howling. And what were we doing? We were fucking sipping. Just sipping. Sipping. Wait, waiting on that bad boy to get on through there. We were sipping and we were waiting to serve. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? It is now time to serve. Like Dylan said, today is going to be a little bit different. Me and him, we're going to do a little freestyle about our old men, our fathers, right before Father's Day. With that being said, let's get into it. Dylan, before we get started on our dad's, I just want to say happy Thursday, Thursday to everybody and happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. When you guys listen to this, Father's Day will be on Sunday this weekend. Go out, have a beer with your father, tell him how much you love him, have a good time, get a little drunk, and uh, just have a great time, Dylan. You know what I mean? I do, man. Uh, no better time than Father's Day to to let your dad know how much you care about him, how much he's meant to you, you know, over the years. Uh I know you got a great relationship with your dad, as do I. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you know, we're getting a little bit older. We got, you know, we got our own things going on, our own lives, but it's always good to kind of get back with with the old men, just kick back and have a cold one. You know what, what I mean? Uh, what's your dad drink, Dylan? What's his go-to? If you sit down with your father and you have a drink with him, what's what's his go-to? Well, I tell you, dad, dad likes his bourbon. Really? Uh, man, he... Um, He's always enjoy, enjoyed a good highball, you know. You, typically, it's, it's he's like me. He's he's a diet coke and bourbon kind of guy. But when it comes to beer, um, actually, I believe his favorite beer of all time and my favorite beer of all time are the same. We really both enjoy a nice, tall, cold dunkel from the Hofbra house. Oh, gee, many Christmas. We you like, gotta be shitting me. No, actually, his... A dunkle? Yeah, so dad's birthday was May 30th. Fuck. <clears throat> so he just turned 62, and uh, for his birthday, I went up to Hofbra house, and I got him a six-pack of those big, like, 
you know, 22 ounce cans or whatever, nothing but Dunkel. And he's loving it. He's loving it. Dunkel. So yeah, dad likes, he likes those darker kind of beers. Dunkel's more of like an amber beer. Um, he's a big Sam Adams fan, just Sam Adams, Boston lager. He really enjoys those. Um, but anything like brown ale-ish, I mean, he's not so much of an IPA guy, but so, something a little bit darker than just your, your pills. So if your dad had to drink a beer that wasn't dark, say more my caliber in a beer, what would he go after? If he was at the gas station here in our hometown, what would he get to drink later that night? He'd probably just get Bud Light. Bud Light? Yeah. Okay. Just, so he, he likes the dark stuff. Yeah. See, that's not, that's, in our family, it's always been a light beer, and I'm going to call Monk out right now. I'm thinking his favorite beer is probably the worst light beer that you could drink, and I feel like... And it's an old man beer, really, because I have a lot of friends who like beer and we all pretty much drink light beer. Besides my buddy, buddy, he likes to just a straight bush and yeah. I don't know, bush heavy. I don't know how he does that. But my dad, he likes Miller Light. He always he's always like, dude, Miller Lite. dude that's that's all he drinks yeah. is Miller Light. And, you know, I go over there, you know, after work sometimes on a Friday and I like to have a beer with him and I always take my own. Because all he has in the fridge is a freaking Miller Lite, man. And I don't know what it is. It's just got a distinct taste to it. And I, I just really don't like it. Yeah. No, it's a little different. But I I know he's been drinking Miller Lite for years because I remember growing up when we had a bat, we had a tennis court in my backyard as I was growing up. And uh, for our listeners that don't know this, Clay's dad, and um, he would always come over to our house and he would play tennis against my dad in our backyard. That was like a three or four days a week thing in the summer. I mean, anytime the weather was nice, they were back there. When, once they both got off of work, they were back there playing tennis. And we always had like a sixer or a 12 or a Miller Lite in the fridge just because. Because. Just because we knew Monk was going to be visiting that exactly. week. He was always <clears throat> branching off what Dylan said. I mean, I grew up in your backyard with you. Yep. Me, you, and your sister. I mean, we were just we were just cutting it up in that backyard. It didn't, it didn't matter what we were doing. We were one either in the way of the tennis game because we were shooting hoops and Monk or Dave was cussing. I said, get the hell off the court. Get the hell off the court. Yeah. Wait, be, wait, wait for the game to end. Yeah. So there was one. Or we're throwing baseball or hitting a, hitting wiffle ball in the yard, swimming in the pool, uh, probably picking on each other, wrestling. You got Monk and Dave yelling at us, quit picking on each other. God damn it. Yeah. So, I mean, me and Dylan grew up to, with each other in the backyard over there. Like he said, Dylan, who do you think – was the better tennis player dude that that <laughs> debate it's a it's a hard question to answer because they got the best it was a, it just mattered what week it was really Who was did. feeling it that week it really it really did when they were in their prime right now monk started getting slow with these bad hips i mean the son of a bitch he's got yeah <laughs> he's got two fake uh, he might even have three fake hips i lost count right right so he's he's been struggling for a while i don't know because my dad my dad's not the type to say, oh, yeah, I'm better than him. He's not the type to just come out and say it. Yeah, Monk's not either. And the thing is, when one, if, say, Monk lost, and I'd ask him on the way home, and I'd say, how to, how to go? He he didn't want to talk about it. He'd just, look, he'd, just, <laughs> he'd just give me the look. And, you know, he always wore that hat. He had, like, one distinct hat. It was, I think it was Oklahoma Sooners hat. And this thing had, you know, the sweat, the white sweat lines oh, all yeah. over the front of it. Oh, yeah. And he had that thing on. He was pouring sweat. Back in the day when I was a kid, he wore that thing all the time. And 
It was the dirtiest. It was the dirtiest fucking hat you would ever freaking see on somebody. But he always wore it. He always wore his tennis hat. He had the Chuck Taylors beat to hell. Yep. Man, I can remember those days. I remember um, there was a couple of times he was over playing, and I was in the house. So you must have been doing something else. You didn't. You you didn't come over. So I was just hanging out in the house. So our back window of our kitchen, where the sink is, it overlooks the backyard. It overlooks the tennis court. So mom's doing dishes there one day, and and she loved doing dishes while they were out there playing because she just liked watching them and like watching their antics and watching them cussing at each other and all this stuff. And I remember one time I was playing in the living room, and I just hear mom. She's just cracking up in the kitchen. I mean, she's just la- she's just losing it. So I walk in there. I'm like, "What's so funny, mom?" She said, "Oh, Monk threw his racket again." She, I mean, that, when you knew when you when when you saw Monk just turn and launch that racket, I mean, you knew things weren't going so well for him that day. Dude, he was buying a racket every month. Yeah, I'm telling you. I mean, he he really didn't have the expensive rackets, and I don't think really either of them did because they they just enjoyed playing with each other yeah. down there on the court. But I'm telling you, Monk would buy a new racket. We would. I remember when we were little, there was this there was this uh, Dunham's. The only one around was up there in Lancaster Mall. And we used to, River Valley Mall is what it's called, and we used to go up there all the time. And he, I'm telling you, he, we'd go to Dunham's to get him a new racket once a month. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. It but, doesn't surprise I mean, me. think about the pros. They slam their racket, you know, if they get, you know, and, frust- and frustrated on the court, they slam, their, they slam their racket once a game, and they just go over and get a brand new racket. It's probably worth five grand. Right. Monk's just buying twenty nine ninety nine rackets. Just toss it, <laughs> baby. That's his salary on the tennis court. That's right. That's right. So let me ask you, besides, you know, your dad coming over and playing tennis with my dad, I mean, you got any good monk stories you can tell us from from your time with him just growing up and being around him? Anything yeah. anything yeah. good? Something that'll be good on this podcast, dude. <laughs> it was like uh I think it was my sophomore year. Actually it might have been my freshman year. I think it was my freshman year. And it was a homecoming party. And like I said, I'm a freshman, so I'm going out. I actually might have been myself. I can't really remember. But he was our coach. I think he was our coach at that time. It was an OYB tournament, AAU, OYB, whatever you want to call it. Got you. And we had a game that Sunday. We played earlier in the day, and then I went to homecoming on a Saturday, and we had a game early Sunday morning. I mean early. I think we had like a 9 o'clock start all the way up in Columbus. So he, I told him, I said, I'm staying all night, you know. And we're having a tent party, and you got. It. He said, "I'm going to be there early. I'm going to be there at six thirty to pick you up. You got a game at nine. We got to get to Columbus. You know." It's like, okay, that's fine. I'll be oh, ready. Jeez, fuck, I wasn't ready. <laughs> this party was freaking wild, dude. We had we had kids stabbing the trampoline with knives. We had kids getting uh sugar powder uh flour all kind of stuff baby powder flour and we had we packed it into like a bulk as it got hard and then we people were throwing it in the tents at people i mean it was the wildest homecoming party ever i got the shit kicked out of me with a baseball bat wiffle ball bat i should say I was, well, that, that there's a big difference there yeah well continue <laughs> it was a wiffle ball bat and one of my best friends i mean he was just lit up and he just beat the hell out of me with it out in the middle of a corn cornfield for what reason i have no idea so uh, getting to the story, you know, we was we was drinking and stuff and I was sitting in a lawn chair at six thirty in the morning when my dad pulled up and I had 
a blanket up over my head. So he didn't know who it was. It was just a person sleeping in a lawn chair with a blanket all over his body because it was cold outside. I was sitting beside the fire. And I could, people, I don't remember this, but people were telling me the next day, they were texting me. He said he was going around tent to tent. And he said this, the place was a mess, dude. Oh, boy. I mean, there's probably beer cans and everything everywhere. But he never said nothing about the beer or nothing. He was just he was just focused on finding me and getting me to the basketball game. <laughs> and I, I I mean, like I said, I can't remember if there's beer cans out or whatever, but I'm just imagining there probably was. So he he's going around tent to tent. Clay roll. Clay roll in this tent. Where's Clay at? Clay roll, where you at? <laughs> and no one's moving. Everybody's just passed out. And then he he comes over to me. He's like, Clay roll, Clay roll. I hear him. And he gets right next to me. He didn't move the blanket because he didn't know it was me. But he goes, Clay Roll, is, Clay Roll, is that you? And I went, imagine this, listeners. I threw the blanket up. I said, yeah. I rolled my head up. I was asleep on my chest. I go, yeah, it's me. Let's go. And I just rolled. I stumbled out of the chair and I went and got in the back seat all the way home. Uh, not all the way home. All the way to the game. All the way to Columbus. Hung over at shit, Dylan. If I can tell you what, I stayed up until probably five. Got an hour and a half of sleep. Got up to the game. First quarter of the game, got a busted chin. Split me wide open, had to leave the game and go get stitches. Didn't finish the game. First quarter, hung over, got a busted chin, blood everywhere, had to go get stitches. That was that. Well, you know, maybe that was the best thing. Maybe that was the best thing for you and for your team. Yeah, you, you know, it might have been. But, you know, that's you said when I was younger, and that's one story that I can think of from high school when dad was just he, – he's probably, he's probably a little – disappointed in oh, me yeah. oh i'm sure but yeah man i started that game and i mean i wasn't playing bad i just got the wrong end of an elbow and got busted up i mean if i'm him and i know my son is spending the night at an after homecoming party and i got to go pick him up in the morning at 6 30 i'm gonna have some idea what state he's gonna be in you know what i mean like yeah it wasn't good i can tell you that yeah he, he knew what he he knew what what was up. i think he was pissed that i wasn't ready and you know it didn't matter if i was tired or not he knew i was going to be that and he told everybody like you know clay's got homecoming so you you know expect this but i wasn't ready at all dude i I was i was hurting yeah i'm sure (laughs) what about you you got any good stories i got a couple but i'll just i'm just going to tell this one because i feel like it's pretty it's pretty good uh so back this was before i was born my dad bought um at the time, it was the only gas station in Frankfurt, so he bought it and uh, was was the the owner and kind of managed it. I mean, he was there all the time. And then I was born, and he, he kept it for, I don't know, a couple years, and then decided to get into a different line of work. So when he sold it, he sold it to my uncle, which is his older brother, and uh, dad got into appraising, and that's a whole, you know, whole other thing, but um, he's always kind of been uh, I don't know he's always liked to feel involved in the business and he, he likes to see the gas station do well you know and and he's talking to my uncle about it a lot growing up and well anyway dad's there getting gas one day and this is after he sold it this is this is several years after he sold it so my uncle owns it dad's walking in to pay for gas and he sees a guy with a trench coat on he's got He's got something inside of his trench coat, like he's got something stashed away inside of his trench coat. And he goes running out of the door, out of the door of the gas station, takes off up the sidewalk. 
So dad says, dad's thinking to himself, this dude just stole something from, from my brother, from my brother's gas station. So he chases the guy down in the middle of Frankfurt. Were you there? I wasn't there. Okay. But I've heard this story told multiple okay. times over the years. So dad chases this guy down and he, you know, he gets a hold of him. He says, hey, buddy, I don't know what you got under your coat there, but I'm, you stole it. And he said, the guy says, I didn't steal this. I paid for it. And dad says, oh, yeah, right. Who runs out of a who runs out of a gas station with something tucked under their their jacket? Come, let's take a walk back inside. Let's just go ask the cashier if you paid for it or not. And so the guy was, was like, fine, whatever, you know. So dad walks this guy back in inside and walks him up to the front counter, and and the guy still has his hand tucked under his jacket this whole time. So my dad looks at the cashier and says, "Hey, I just was wondering if this guy." paid for whatever he's got under his jacket here and the cashier looks at dad and looks at the guy and says yeah yeah he paid for it and so dad dad's kind of taken aback you know he didn't expect to hear that he says okay well sir i'm sorry i uh i thought you were you know stealing something i thought you shoplifted so i'm sorry about that you know uh, apologies and you can be on your way and the guy at that point, the guy took his hand out from his coat and he had one of those individual wrapped rolls of toilet paper. Yeah. So he he paid for that thing and he was on his way to do some business somewhere. Unbeknownst, <laughs> unbeknownst to dad, he was just trying to do the right thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that dude had to shit mad. <laughs> he was on his way somewhere. So, yeah. In a hurry. Going back to episode two, he didn't want to take a shit at the gas station. Who and, would? Yeah, who, who would? would? My man. Trench yeah. coat guy didn't want to shit in Frankfurt. Yeah, but that's that's dad, man. You know, he's, he's going to try to do the right thing. Yeah, good deal. Uh, Dylan, you know, when I think about our dads, one of the first things that comes to mind besides the tennis and growing up at your place, how about uh, the 2-1-2 battles we used to have down there? Me and Monk versus you and Dave after the tennis matches. That was something. Yeah, so, uh, so we had that tennis court, but then at one end of the tennis court, uh, we had one of those adjustable – the best, the best hoop in town. It's pretty. It's quality, and it had the crank on it. You crank it up and down. Yeah, I think the right name for that hoop is a gorilla, gorilla something. Yeah, it was. It was a nice. It was a nice hoop. It was the nicest hoop in town. But anyway, me and Dylan and me and Monk played Dylan and Dave. I mean, we had battles. Best two out of three to ten, win by two. I mean, we we stayed down there till dark, just battling it out. Oh yeah. And the funniest thing was like, if me and Dylan would do something wrong, our dads would have our ass. They'd just get pissed at us because they were so competitive. Oh yeah. If oh, we yeah. if we turned it over or something, it was like, God damn it, Clay, take care of the ball, take care of it. <laughs> there was, it was not fun in games down there. No, dude. it wasn't. I no. mean. Your your old man's a competitor. My old man's a competitor. Like they were down there with with one goal in mind. That was we're gonna kick the shit out of them. Exactly. And that was how we're it not was. gonna lose. No. And it didn't mm. matter. It didn't matter that they were, you know, forty year old men and we were ten year olds. That didn't matter. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, kicking off that thought of us playing two on two and them them guys getting mad at each other because they were so competitive. How about them two on the real hard word up at? A, hardwood up at our local school i mean i mean i tell you what if you put them two together i I wouldn't take no coaches one two combo over them two and i guarantee i'll take that to the grave with me as coaches as coaches yeah like if them two were you know had their had their minds together as one i mean head coach assistant coach i don't give a shit what it is i'm taking them two over anybody well i think we should back it up 
you know, and let listeners know that. So Monk and Dave, they played ball together growing up. They yep. played they played high school ball together, just like me and you. They were two years apart, just like me and you. And so they both they both kind of learned how to play the game the same way. You know what I mean from the same coach. So they both have very similar philosophies of the game and how it should be how it should be played, how it should be coached. So I think you know that helped later in life when they coached together. They were kind of on the same page when it came to things. And, yeah, I mean, my dad is one of the best, and your dad too, because he was my freshman basketball coach, and he was always in the gym. He was always around, so I feel like he was one of, the, one of my coaches all the way through. But I would put their basketball knowledge and their basketball experience up against any anybody else I've ever played for. Anybody. Straight up. So, yeah, man. Um, And also, basketball, you know, I mean, I'm sure you're, you feel the same way, but that's that's our fathers are the ones who introduced us to the game that we love. I mean, I remember when I was just able to walk. I mean, I was in there kicking a ball. I probably wasn't even able to dribble yet, but I was kicking it up and down the court. I knew what I was supposed to do with it. It's going back and forth. I was watching the practices. I mean, there's probably people out there listening right now that my dad or your dad's coach, and they're thinking like, yep, I remember that. Yep. I mean, I, I, I mean, when I was able to do it, I was coming up through, you know, third, fourth grade. I was doing the drills with the team. I remember that like it was yesterday. And now, you know, that was the best time of my life when I was his manager sitting on, sitting on the bench with him. And I, I, always, I always started laughing whenever he got a technical man. It just, it just I said, Dad, let's go. Like, I would tell him, like, that was a bad call, Dad. He'd like, shut up. Let me take care of it. <laughs> you know, I'm just sitting <laughs> on the bits. I'm, you know, I'm probably in fourth grade tugging on his tugging on his uh, khakis he always wears. Yeah. It's like, Dad, that was a bad call. And I would say something. He'd be like, shut up. Don't you say nothing. <laughs> Dude. I just remember that like it was yesterday, man. Knowing your dad, like, on a personal level and knowing how funny of a guy he is. Yeah. It makes it, sometimes it made it tough to play for him. Dude, let me ask you this. You've played for him. Yeah. I've played for him, and he used to get pissed at me. I mean, I played for him in OYBAU. It was totally different. I've never played in, like, an organized school basketball game for him, but you have. Yep. How about when that vein popped out of his forehead? <sighs> and see, that was that was the whole thing, because Corey, Corey with a K was on that same freshman team that I was on. Yeah. And we had, you know, we all knew Monk. We all knew who Monk was. Who didn't know Monk around the town? Right. Outside of basketball, we yeah. all knew Monk. You know, he's just joking around with us all the time. You yeah. know, he's funny, funny as all get out. But, yeah, I remember we were at we, – we had an away game. It was a non-conference game. And we were we were beating the wheels off of this team, and it was halftime. But we were playing like like crap. I mean, just just absolutely playing way below our our capacity. And so it's halftime, and we're in the locker room, and Monk's just ripping us one, dude. I mean, he's just he's just livid. He's just telling us what an embarrassment we are and how we're not playing any defense, and that vein starts bulging. And one, a buddy of ours on, on the bench, he just starts he he starts laughing like he can't he can't not because Monk's spitting. I mean, he's in everybody's faces. He's spitting. He's just going crazy, and this kid starts laughing, and dude. He came unglued on this poor kid. Like, you think it's funny? You think it's funny? And like, the more riled up he got, the funnier it got. But I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dare crack a smile. And I mean, it was. It got scary after that. 
But yeah, man, it, it made it hard to like take him seriously sometimes just because you know how funny of a guy he was. That vein, man. I've had so many people that have played for my dad just come up and tell me and said, dude, when that vein pops, you just shut the fuck up. You don't just look at the ground, let it go, let the bad play go when you're on the court. Like he'll take someone out and he'll just chew them, chew them an ass ripping. And he goes, dude, I just looked at the ground. I just looked at the floor and I didn't even look at him because that vein, when that vein's out, he means fucking business. Yeah, just. Just stay, stay, stand down. Stand At that down. point, stand down. <clears throat> you know, another, you know, another memory I got with my dad, and you can probably, <clears throat> we can talk about this. Whenever there's like a wedding, or like a, a dance or a party somewhere, like if there's karaoke, if there's anything going on, this guy when. When his song hits, he's about like me. He gets hyped. He's going straight to the dance floor. And there's a few songs that I come straight to my head. And I've never seen When I was little, he used to do this at just the most random places. Dude, it could be in the middle of a bar, and I can remember us doing this together. The the song Shout. Isley Brothers. You make me want to shout. Okay. Kick my hand. Yeah. Okay. And then there was a little thing when it says, get a little bit lower now. Get a little bit lower. And it is that the song where they call it the dance where you get on your back and you kick your legs and your hands in there called the gator? Is that is I, that, probably. I think it is. I think that's what we call the gator. Because when they say get a little bit soft, and I mean everybody gets close, lower to the floor. Yeah, and I think me and my dad, I think don't fact check me because I don't know this, but I think that's the song you gator to. And the gator is where you lay on your back. And you like kick your hands and your feet in the air because they're, they're doing the shout thing. Right. And we're shouting with our legs and our feet. And it's the gator. So that's one song. And Jailhouse Rock. I can remember after a Union Ed basketball game one night, we were down at a local bar and that's where everybody used to go. And there was karaoke. And me and him, I was the manager and we were in our little outfits. You know, he was in his coaching outfit and I had my team t shirt on and we were out there singing. Jailhouse Rock by Elvis, just rocking it out for everybody at a local bar. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, those about. are just memories that I got, man. And last but not least, the best wedding song to have Monk roll at is Saturday Night. Bay City Rollers. Bay City fucking Rollers, Saturday Night. Oh. If that song plays anybody's wedding, I don't care who it is. I don't care if he I don't care if he don't know you and he's just there because my mom is part of my mom's family. I don't like even distant. I don't, I don't care if the wedding's not even on a Saturday. Yeah, it, it don't matter. It don't it don't matter to him. But yeah. Saturday night comes on, he's out there rolling. Look out. S A T U I T A Y night. Oh man. You, you can see it in your head right oh, now. Oh man. He did that at my wedding. And yours. Everybody's wedding, man. Um, That's good stuff. A couple more just quick stories about my dad I think are kind of funny. Uh, We we were at a Reds game one time, and we kind of sat up in the – we didn't sit in the lower bowl. We were sitting kind of up, you know. Still good seats, but um, it was me, mom, dad, and uh, Britton, my sister. And um, they got the T-shirt cannon out, right? They're firing those T-shirts up in the stands and – and we're all standing up and, uh, you know, hey, bring one over here. I'm probably like 12. Brit- Britain's probably eight. And um, one of them comes in our, we can tell it's 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 landed in our general vicinity. And it was closest to dad. And so he, he says in his head, he says, this thing's going to be mine. It's mine. So it was like maybe a, 
the row below ours, but it was right there. I mean, it was right there within reaching distance. He just had to lean for it. Well, so he le- he goes for it, and there was a little girl. I mean, she was probably like five or six in the row below, and he didn't he didn't mean to, of course, but he just knocks her just knocks her sideways, <laughs> grabs the t-shirt. After he he caught it, after he catches it, he realizes, oh no, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I. I'm really sorry about that. I didn't mean to, I didn't even see you there, you know, and mom, you know, and then dad just sits down and mom, mom, the whole time, mom, mom's saying, give, give her that t-shirt. You, you better give her that t-shirt. And dad's like, no, I caught the t-shirt. It's my t-shirt. You know, I got, I went down there and got it. You know what I mean? Dad's a competitive guy. So that was like, that was, you know, that was years ago. Well, he still wears that thing all the time. Still wears it. It's in his regular rotation. You know, he's got about 10, 12 T-shirts he wears all the time, and that's right there in his in his rotation. Wears it all the time. So that was that was one story I thought was pretty funny. And then there was another one. I remember this was when I was like, just got my driver's permit. I was just learning how to drive. Dad takes me out. Is doing a little driving lesson just around Frankfurt with me. You know, um. I'm driving. He's in the passenger seat. Just we're just driving around town. He's talking to me about turn, you know, turning signals and turning on, you know, just whatever, just basic driving stuff. Well, after we're done, we stop at the dairy cone and he, we park across the street from the dairy cone. So we're eating our ice cream and he says, "Hey, you want to drive us home or you want me to drive us home?" I said, oh, "I was kind, of, you know, I was kind of tired of driving at that point." I said, "You can drive us home. It's whatever." So we just got done for the last 30, 45 minutes talking about driver safety, being cautious, being a defensive driver, this and that. So he gets in the driver's seat. I'm in the passenger seat. We pull out. He backs right into a telephone pole. I mean, he backs right into a telephone pole as we're pulling out of Dairy Cone parking lot. And, I mean, I saw it. I was like, whoa, 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 boom. Boom. I mean, and, and Dad turns and looks back, and he says, well, who the hell put that there? <laughs> and I just, I don't know. That's thats thats another story I'll never forget. But my dad, man, he has, he has sacrificed from being my sister. He has worked his butt off to give us a good life. And uh, on the real, if, if I can be half the dad to my kids that he's been to us, man, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to be doing something right. You got a good one, brother. That's for sure. A few more things I want to hit on on my dad. And, you know, some people might might find this a little weird. I don't call my dad dad. I don't call him father. I don't call him dad. I just call my dad monk. Monk. You know? Yeah. Because everybody calls him monk. And, I, you know, that's just that's just the bond that me and him created over the years. I don't I, – I, I don't – I can't remember the last time I called him dad, you know? Yeah. It's just straight monk. So when I think of monk, there's a few things I got here. Why Why do I love... People always ask me, why do you like Myrtle Beach so much? I'm like, well, because I've been going there since I've been a freaking toddler. I mean, ever since I could walk, I was at the beach. So I'm, I just remember growing up every year, that's what we'd look forward to. And um, we, I'd always be able to take some. He was always like, yeah, take somebody. And he'd, t- he'd take care of them, too. Like, I'd t- always most likely take my buddy, Buddy, with me. Me and Buddy, we'd always go to Myrtle Beach, have good times. 
And when I think of Myrtle Beach, I think of a few things. I think of Monk. I think of him riding waves. Have you ever seen? I I don't. You've never went with this. I don't think Dylan, but this guy can ride a freaking wave with his body, body surfing better than anybody I've ever seen in my life. Okay. And here's the thing: the son of a bitch can't even see. <laughs> He's freaking declared blind, dude. Yeah. He's got to wear glasses. He's got, and you've seen his glasses. They're big glasses. They're like, yeah, big, yeah. big lens glasses. Yeah. And this guy, he can't see worth nothing. It don't matter if there's a kid in his way on a boogie board. You might as well. He's, he's that kid's eating away because Monk's running him over. Why not? He can't see, man. And I'm telling you, that son of a gun, he will freaking ride that wave all the way in on his stomach. And he'll beat you up like a freaking whale on where there's no water. That water, he'll just go the whole way. He's not stopping. He's not putting his feet down until that sand stops him. And <laughs> anybody who's went to the beach with us, you know that's a fact. I, I've never been, and I've never seen it with my own eyes, but I've heard so many stories about Monk and his prowess at body surfing. I mean, that's how good he is. Oh, he's, he's that good. And uh, when I go to Myrtle Beach, like there's been – when I've gotten older, I've went like on senior trip and a few years after we went down with buddies and they're always like, how do you know your way around this place so good? Once again, I mean, I've been coming here since I've been a kid and I'm one of them kids like where I see stuff. I kind of remember it, you know, it's all in the memory bank. I see, I see signs. I remember it. And over the years, I've just gotten used to it. And I think my dad knows his way around Myrtle Beach better than he knows his way around the closest town, which would be Chillicothe to us. He could drive around Myrtle Beach better than what he could drive around Chillicothe. That's your second hometown, man. Oh, I know. And that's that's why we go every year. And there's only there's only one thing other than his family, of course, that Monk Roll loves better than Myrtle Beach, and that's his dogs. Oh, yeah. 100%. This guy... Is the biggest dog lover ever. And Givens, I know you remember Cookie. Oh, Cookie. Little she, wiener dog. Yeah, she was always down there on the tennis court with us as kids, chasing your cat pickle around, and Monk would get pissed, you know. he'd And he'd be hitting freaking tennis balls in the yard to get her off the court. She'd go chasing them. Cookie and Pickle had a it – was, it was like a rivalry they had. Oh, yeah, man. They, they fought like cats and dogs. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Good joke. <laughs> But no, seriously. Whenever Cookie would run up there, at, during, at, <clears throat> up towards the house, and that's where Pickle would stay, and Monk would get so Cookie, get your ass back down here, God damn it, Cookie! You know, I mean, he would his, his the vein would pop out, and when the vein popped out, he'd mean business. Another thing, other than his dogs, um, well, actually, let me get back to the dogs. Monk, Monk went from a wiener dog to a boxer and we brought boxers into our life because our cousins had a boxer and I fell in love with the boxers. So Dylan, a wiener dog to a freaking boxer. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a huge dog guy, but that's quite a jump. That's a big jump. And the guy went from a lap dog. And let me tell you, he loved his dog so much. He went from a small wiener dog to a boxer. That boxer was his lap dog as well. It didn't care how big these dogs are, man. If them things can get on his lap in his chair, it don't matter. They're getting on his lap, and he'll let them because he loves his dog so much. The guy's got three fake hips. Yeah, you're probably thinking two fake hips. No, he's had one replaced twice, I believe. Don't fact check me, Monk. And uh, he walks them every single day. He's retired now. 
walks him in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening because he's bored and he loves his dogs. He knows they need exercise, and I guarantee our dogs live the best life out of anybody's dogs in the freaking world. Well, maybe not the world, but they live a freaking great life. I know Monk takes good care of them. Yeah, so dogs, Myrtle Beach dogs, and you know what, Dylan? I don't know if you know this, but our old men do a little fishing together back in the day. Is that right? They they like going up to your uncle's pond. Yeah. See, my, my, my grandpa was a big fisherman, and when I was little, I always used to go with my grandpa well. Dad decided he wanted to start go with us, so he thinks he's some he thinks he's some big bass guy or whatever. He can't even tie a new hook on. So if he's fishing by himself and he loses, he gets snug snagged up on something, and he loses a hook, it's pretty much you might as well just call it quits because some bitch can't tie a knot for just nothing. Pack, just pack it up, <laughs> pack it up, and head back to Frankfurt. Because if I'm not with him, I'm not with him. He can't tie a hook worth a shit. And the thing is, when he caught a fish. Guess you had to take it off the hook. <laughs> Get out, yeah, dude. Me or my grandpa. So, Monk, I know you like fishing a lot, but dude. Come on. Come on. Step dude. your game Seriously. up, Monk. And last but not least, besides dogs and fishing, the next best thing my dad likes to do is sit in his underwear in the rocking chair with a pop in a glass with ice in it, not out of the can. I'm I never see him drink a pop out of the can. It's always in a glass with ice. Big old bowl of popcorn watching anything on TV. Dude, he loves just rocking in his chair in his underwear, popcorn and a pop. Monk, you know I'm right, and don't be cussing at me when I say that about your underwear because you know I'm right. <laughs> Dylan, you got anything else? No, nah, man. I, happy Father's Day to Dave Givens and Kevin Monk Roll and all those fathers out there, new and old. We appreciate you. Take some time to yourself this weekend. Do something you enjoy. Spend some time with your kids. Um, if you're not a father, then go thank your father or thank a father because that's what Father's Day is all about. Yep, don't matter if it's yours or not. Anybody in your life, give them a big, big thank you. Monk, appreciate everything you've done for me, brother. Bringing me up in a gymnasium that was the best thing you could have ever done. Mom, I appreciate you supporting me and Dad being in a gymnasium my whole childhood. You know I loved it. You know he loved it. It was a good bonding experience. Monk, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and apologize for the stuff you're probably going to hear on this podcast that you didn't know about, like me stealing a car. And you called me the other day on your way to Tennessee. You said, so whose fucking car did you steal? I well, wish I could have heard that yeah, conversation. Yeah, it was a great conversation. But anyways, Monk, love you. Appreciate it. Even though I don't call you dad all the time, you're always going to be my dad, and I love you, brother. Moving on. Moving on. Now it's time for the staple of the Sip and Serve podcast. This week is going to be a little bit different. We got a boatload of questions for you guys. We're going to call this the listener question extravaganza for the first time ever. But first, I'd like to give our sponsor a quick shout out. The question of the week is sponsored by the Old Canal Smokehouse located in downtown Chillicothe, Ohio. The Smokehouse is known for the most unique craft beer selection and rare bourbons to go along with their amazing food. You can dine in, order takeout, or even have them cater your next event. Visit them in their newly renovated space at 94 East Water Street in downtown Chillicothe. Thanks again. Now, on to the questions. Corey with the K, what we got for our first question? First question comes from Diane. You have three days to live. How do you spend it? What do you think, Dale? That's kind of morbid. 
Yeah, I mean. That's sad to think about, three days to live. You know, when I was thinking about this question, that's I thought about my third day. I really did. Your third day. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. It's your last day on earth, honestly. I mean, when that when that clock strikes midnight, you're gone, right? I mean, that's how I read it. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and kick this one off. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to rent a private jet. I don't care how much money it costs. Take out a loan if you have to. Yeah, it don't matter because they don't know I'm gone. Right. I know I'm gone. And, well, I I wouldn't want to put that that burden on my family with the loan or whatnot, but maybe I could, if people knew and I couldn't, I would put all my money, all my savings, I'd get a private jet. But if I couldn't afford it, maybe some friends or family or whatnot could put put in and help me out. Well, I think some of those loans, you know, they... They go away? Yeah, they get nullified upon... I'm not that smart like you. Well, I don't. Something, something to look into. We got buddies that are in banking, so maybe yeah, you could ask good them. Good deal. Yeah, good, good deal. First of all, I'm renting a private jet. Okay, day one, I'm going to gather all my friends. I'm getting all my family together, and I'm getting on this private jet. My closest friends, of course, because private jets aren't that big. But I'm going to get all my closest friends. Actually, I'm just going to do the friends on the first day. Family, not yet. Because I want to spend, you know, a special time with my family. So first day, I'm getting all my closest friends on a private jet. And I'm going to fly all of us to Sin City, Las Vegas. That's what I'm going to do, day one. I've never been there. And I don't know if I'll ever get there. I would like to. But I really don't like flying on a plane. And that's a five-hour trip. And I really don't like being on a plane that long. So I don't know if I'll ever get there. It's on my bucket list to get out there. But... If I don't, private jet, going to Vegas with my closest friends, and I'm freaking raging, dude. I'm raging all night long, probably not getting no sleep. Why would you sleep? I'm getting I'm getting the wildest, the wildest clubs, the strip clubs. Doesn't matter what it is. I'm going, you know how I am, dude. I, I like to party, and I'm just staying up all night. And if I have any money left, I might gamble. I'm not a gambling guy. Like, dude, I never gamble. Some of my friends love playing poker. They love online poker. They like going to the casinos, throwing out big money. That's not me. I'm a tightwad when it comes to money. But if I got three days to live, why not spend it, right? Why not? So I'm going to Vegas on day one, and I'm I'm living it up, doing whatever. My wife's with me. So, you know, when, when people think, well, it's your last day to live, why wouldn't you get a hooker out there in Vegas? Well, well I got my wife, you know. I love my wife, so. Yep. You know, I don't need no hookers, okay, right. people? Right. Quit thinking dirty. You're a married man. I'm a married man, shit. Day two, I'm getting back on my private jet, and this is when I give my family. Hopefully, I can fly all my family, and I want to go to a beach, Dylan. And when I was, you've heard an earlier podcast, I want to go to a beach with clear water. It's on my bucket list. I'm going to fly us all to the Bahamas, have a good time. Friends are coming along, too, as well. Then the family's coming. And we're all going to have a gathering on the beach, go snorkeling. We're going to party on the beach. We're going to relax on the beach. We're going to have a great time, have a big old supper. We could, You could even call that the last supper, if you will, but it's not day three yet. But that's the last time I'm going to be with my friends. Yeah. So day one and day two, the friends are involved. And then I got family coming along as well in day two in the Bahamas. Day three. When that's all done, I'm sending the friends back. I'm going to give them, you know, give them all the love. Say, man, I'll see you guys again someday. Day three, I'm coming straight back to my hometown. I'm coming back to the fort. Uh, hopefully, I have a house built at this time. 
on my wife's uh, family's property. And we're going to, that's our dream one day is to build a house out on the farm. And hopefully I can just gather all my family together with me and my wife. And hopefully we have kids by then and we can just gather around the farm and just have, you know, one last moment, watch my last sunset with my family. And that's it, man. That's what I, that's what I would do. Yeah. I'd party my ass off day one. I mean, party, I mean, party, party hard day two. I'd meet down in the Bahamas with friends and family for the last last supper, you shall say. And then day three, coming back to the fam in my hometown, watching my last sunset. I like it, man. Is that all right? Oh, it's that's great. It's well thought out. I like how you did it by days. That's what I would do. I mean, I can tell you put some thought into that. But uh, my answer, <clears throat> I didn't really do it by days. I just kind of threw together. A bunch of different stuff I wanted to do in those, that's fine in those three days so like first of all I just want to make sure that I'm with my wife for all three of those days yes and if I didn't specify that I said actually yeah, yeah actually my wife was in Sin City with that me, was so. I just assumed that yeah yeah but uh yeah I want I want to have her by my side all three of those days I'm thinking like you and said you just said, let me specify this go ahead I haven't said this on this podcast yet but you said you want your wife by you all three days, and I said I wanted my closest friends with me in day one in Sin City. You know, my wife's probably my best friend, honestly, yep. and that's the way it should be. Yeah. So when I say closest friends, you best believe my wife's going to be there. Oh, she's there. Okay. For sure. But uh, you said you'd like to kind of gather all your friends and family together at different points, and that's kind of how I am too. I'd like to at some point in there – gather together all my closest friends and all my closest family, have a little get-together. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. I'm just maybe put a tent up in the backyard and just everybody get together and eat, talk, you know, get some good food catered in, just have a little get-together. My wife will tell you, like, when it comes to gatherings, I'm kind of of, um, a control freak about the music that gets played. So I want to make sure that I'm the one on the ones and twos for this whole this whole time. I agree with that 100%. Um, well, I'm only jamming out the music I want to listen to. All right? So it's it's only it's going to be my playlist that gets played through all three of these days. I love That's it. That's it. So I'm listening to all my favorite music. Um, you know, my wife and I we're going to hit up all my favorite restaurants. We're going to eat all my favorite foods. I guarantee you stop at the Hoffer house. That's probably gonna be the very last stop. Okay. Because you know, <laughs> I you, know did I do it. you know how I feel about that place. Yep. That's just a whole that's a that's an experience going there. But um Yeah, I and and I would probably take some time to just drive around and like visit some of the most important places. You know, like um school where I went to school and where I went to college and where I spent a lot of time growing up and you know, going to different ball fields because I spent a lot of time on ball fields growing up and, oh, gym, and going to gyms growing up. You know what I mean? Like, I think I'd like to take like one last lap around and hit all those places too and just kind of reminisce a little bit. But uh, it's nothing flashy. You know what I mean? I don't really want to go anywhere because this is my home. This is this is my neck of the woods and this is where all my people are. And so I want to kind of stay close to home. But yeah, those are some of the things I would do if I had I had three days to live. So there you go. like it, brother. Good answer. Next question is from Pops. 
based on the statement, the early bird gets the worm. Is that true for y'all? And what does that statement really mean? What do you think? Well, so you're kicking that one to me? Yeah, go ahead. Well, believe it or not, people listening, you might not think as me as a morning person. It's, it, I mean, honestly, it's really not hard for me to wake up in the morning and get going. And I don't even drink coffee. You, do you drink coffee, Dylan? I love coffee, dude. Dude, I don't drink coffee. I, I don't drink energy coffee. drinks. I don't drink any. The only thing I drink in the morning is maybe a little Hawaiian punch and water. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm being serious. I mean, the only time that I like to sleep in is on a Sunday. And Friday night, I like to go out and drink and whatnot, have a good time. Saturday mornings, I'm up by eight, boys. It's eight, nine at the latest. And I'm ready to enjoy I'm ready to enjoy my Saturday. So when Pops asked, does the early bird get the worm? Yes, I believe it does. Because my philosophy is, if you don't wake up early on Saturday, that's your first day off, man. You get up and enjoy the day. You've worked your ass off all freaking week. And, I mean, you can you can put the early bird gets the worm into the week two. Wake your ass up, get your day started, get to work, make some money, come home and relax. Early bird gets the worm. I don't like the people who come to work all groggy, drinking their coffee, don't want to talk in the morning. I have, you know, we've all experienced them people, right? I, I'm one of those people. Yeah. So. See, I wouldn't like working with you because I like coming in. I like grabbing your shoulders, say, big day today, big day today, brother. Let's, let's get go, after let's it. go, let's, let's get, get after, after it. it. And everybody looks at me like, get the hell off me, dude, you freaking crazy bald ass fucker. <laughs> so anyway, I, I believe the early bird gets the worm. It basically means... In my opinion, get your ass up, enjoy the day, and don't let it go to waste. Let me ask you this. I've gotten Snapchats from you on Saturday night slash Sunday mornings at like 3 and 4 in the morning, and you're still up. I got one from you. It was like 4.30, almost 5 o'clock in the morning on Saturday night. You're up here sitting on the roof watching the sun come up. Did you see the rest of that Snapchat? If you would have watched the rest... I sent out a Snapchat story to all my closest friends on Snapchat. I stayed on that fucking roof with my nephew. And he, yes, people, he's of age. He can drink. We were on, don't ask how he's of age if he's my nephew, but he is. And we were on that roof until like 6.30. The sun was coming up. We were drinking beer all night. Came in the house. We had kegs and eggs. I mean, kegs and eggs. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Well, I didn't have a keg, but we were drinking beer and I made eggs. I didn't go to bed till eight thirty that morning. Now that's that was a special night. So that's that's a special circumstance. It was a special circumstance. Okay. I don't do that all the time, but I was well, before you before you asked that question. I was going to say Sundays are a different story for myself because I'm I'm winding down from Friday partying, Saturday drinking. I mean, most of the time I'm drinking on Friday, Saturday if I don't have nothing to do, and. Sundays are my wind down day. Sundays recovery time. Sundays, it's it's no surprise for me to sleep in till twelve or one, and I don't care about Sunday because I got to get ready for work on Monday. Sundays, I try to plan my day around nothing. Yeah, it's able for me to sit in my chair downstairs in my man cave, watch TV, and even take a nap if I need to. That those are my Sundays. So, pops, to answer your question, the early bird gets the worm, in my opinion. That's that. Okay. So for me, um, yeah, I feel like that's definitely true for me. I found that, first of all, 
like when I wake up in the mornings and I got to go to work and typically I get up, you know, 545 ish, six o'clock. And I'm the type of person who I need, I need some coffee to get me going. I got to have coffee from somewhere. You know what I mean? Or I can't, dude, I can't even stand the smell of coffee, let alone drink it. Can't smell it. Oh man. It's just. And my wife, she, you know, she kind of, that's one of my pet peeves. She's always like, before I get up, I'm always ready to go. Like I said, I'm a morning person and she's always, she goes, Claire, just let me drink my cup of coffee real quick. Just let me, just let me relax and drink my cup of coffee. Some people need it, dude. (laughs) Oh my God, it's weird, dude. Some people just like, don't even talk to me until I get at least a half a cup of coffee. That's how she is. Yeah. My wife and I are both like that. I mean, first thing we do when we wake up every morning, every morning, doesn't matter what day of the week it is, put, put that pot of coffee on, get it going. Well, at least you're on the same page. Yeah. But anyway, like that being said, I still find that when, when I get up early and I'm, and I'm moving and I'm doing stuff, no matter what it is, I'm way more productive and energetic for the rest of the day. Um, I find that's especially true if I can get in an early morning workout, like a 5 a.m., 6 a.m. workout, and I get that, you know, I get that workout out of the way. Man, that just opens up the rest of the day. I, I you know, I have energy. I'm feeling good. I got up. I got moving. I got that knocked out already. Like for me personally, I just feel like that sets my the rest of my day up for success. Um, so to me, what you know does what does the statement "the early bird gets the worm" really mean? It just means get up and get after it. You know what I mean? Rise and grind. Don't sleep in. You know, get up when the alarm goes off. Don't hit the snooze. Get up and get after it. Whatever there is on your to do list, get it knocked out. Do, totally don't, agree. don't put it off. Just get it done now and you won't have to worry about it later. So there you go. Next question is from Caleb. What is your craziest drunken moment? Dylan, you want to take this one? Yeah, I mean, my answer is going to be pretty disappointing probably on this one because when I get to the point where most people have crazy drunken moments, when I get there, I'm typically sleeping. I'm, I'm either in my bed asleep or I'm somewhere else asleep. So at that point, when I, you know, the couple the, the few times I've been to that point, it's pretty much lights out for me. But I will say that there was this one time and it was back um, like between my junior and senior year of college. Uh, me and a couple of buddies went up to the Upper Peninsula, Michigan. And um, we went to this cabin. It was out in the middle of nowhere, but it was on this big lake. It was just, a, you know, way out in the middle of nowhere. But we had a campfire going, um, this cabin all to ourselves. And it was just a it was just a nice environment, you know what I mean? And I, I had a little too much to drink and I was on my way in to go to bed. And, you know, my, my friends, they were gonna stay out at the fire for a couple hours longer. But on my way in I decided to stop in the kitchen and see if there was anything to eat. And I looked in the um the fridge and there was one of these miniature individual birthday cakes like you can buy from Kroger's. Twenty five minutes later. There was just a dirty spoon on the plate where the cake used to be. So, and then I went to bed. So, I mean, I ate an entire, an entire birthday cake that night. So that, that's really the craziest thing I can think of when, for my, for me and my drunken moments. Roll, I know you got 
stories on stories over there. So I'm gonna kick it over to you. Yeah, uh, I think I know what trip you're talking about, and it might not have been your craziest drunken moment, but the other people that might have been with you on that trip, they might have had a story to tell. What did you say? Uh, I mean, you know them, so yeah. Yeah, I'd say they did. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we can hear that, you know, in a future episode. There you go. Well, like I've said before. I've got a lot of stories and some are too long to tell for this segment in the listener questions. If I'm going to tell one of my best stories, I'd like to, I'd like to make a segment out of it so you guys can hear the whole thing and I don't have to branch it out. So I'm going to tell these they're, they're not too long, but one time I was at a high school party and I believe it was after a homecoming. It was my junior year, I believe. I caught myself on fire. No. <laughs> yeah, I uh, caught myself on fire accidentally. Yep. One of my craziest drunkest stories, I uh, caught myself on fire. So let me bring you in. This was the same night. So it was our junior year homecoming, and we had this. We had these guys that were seniors and we wanted to throw the baddest homecoming party. And we, we brought these guys in. They had their own band. They were called the Chuck Queen band. The Chuck Queens. The Chuck Queens. You I've remember? Heard, I've, I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah. The Chuck Queens. And we brought them in. We had a little party spot down by the Creek. Party pit. Yep. Party pits. What it was called. Party pit. And, we had all kind of, I mean, this was a big party. I mean, there's about everybody in high school and surrounding high schools were there. So, I mean, it was a big time. And they brought in this trailer. I guess you could call it a uh, hay trailer or a or wheat, something you'd haul hay on. So, it was like a flatbed trailer. Yeah, it was a flatbed trailer that people would haul hay or wheat on. And I, don't fact check me, farmer, because I don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about wagons. But we, anyway, we brought this flatbed wagon in. And the Chuck Queens were rocking out all night. It was, a, it was the baddest. It was one of the baddest high school parties I've ever been to. And at a certain point when everybody was raging, I told the lead singer, I said, hey, whenever uh, you get to a stop point, let me know because I'm going to make a fucking announcement. <laughs> so I, I, I can't really remember what I said, but I was always a big fan of Stone Cold Steve Austin back in the day. So I got up there on that wagon in front of everybody. And they had I mean they had drum sets, they had freaking guitars and everything on this wagon. I mean, it was a it was a legit set. Yeah. And I got up there on that microphone and I I I I think I just said, Are we having a good time tonight or something like that? And everybody's like, Yeah. I said, if you want to see me smash these two beers over my head like Stone Cold Steve Austin, give me an oh hell yeah. I was literally in my underwear in front of everybody, and I did the Stone Cold, and I smashed those two beer cans over my head, and I just poured them over my head, and I was drinking them, threw the beers into the crowd. That was the beginning of the story. So yeah, I was a little lit up. So I went, I know I went back down to the crowd, got my clothes on. Yeah, I changed my underwear. I was soaked in beer, wiped off, got my clothes back on. Later that night, you know, everybody was winding down, and. You know, I, I was one of them guys who like to stay up all night. Like you said, I was on the roof until 630 that one night. So I stayed up and uh, I ended up going to sleep by the fire. Well, you know, I might have had a little too much to drink. 
didn't know what was going on. I woke up the next morning and my shoe is pretty much gone. That left side of my jean leg was burnt all the way up to my knee, damn near. And all the hair on my leg was gone. <laughs> I'm not shitting you when I say this. Like dude, that, that that's a that's a freaking true story, dude. I had them Iversons. I think they were called the Answers. They're the the baddest Iverson shoe they ever had. Did they zip up? Yeah, zipped oh, up the front. Dude, I always wanted a pair. They of those. zipped up the front, and they're black and white. And my left shoe was gone. I mean, it was burnt to a crisp. I mean, it wasn't gone. It was melted. I should say it was melted. And I I couldn't wear them no more because they're so deformed all the way on my ankle. And my hair on my leg was singed, and my half of my pant leg was gone. So and I, this whole time, I didn't wake up. So when my <laughs> Could you imagine popping your head out of a tent and say, Rolski, Rolski, fuck, you're on fire. Stop dropping roll, fuck. Fuck, dude, do something. Rolski's on fire. Rolski's on fire. No. Just start rolling. No one knew it. I didn't know it. How the hell do I wake up the next morning, Dylan? And I never knew my leg was on fire. My my hair was gone. My My jeans were gone. My shoe was melted. I had no idea. I woke up next morning. I said, holy fuck. What the hell just happened? Those are, that's my craziest. I wouldn't say my craziest, but that's a hell of a story for the question. Good question, that, Caleb. Uh, that, I just want to say that could have that could have turned out way worse than it than well, it was. All I got to say is good thing there was a creek nearby. Next <laughs> yeah. question. Yeah. Next question's from Caitlin. What's something most people wouldn't know about you guys? I'll go. I'll, I'll take this one first, just because mine's pretty pretty tame. There's nothing really. I mean, I, what you see is what you get, pretty much with me. You know, I mean, I'm not. Anyway, I guess one thing that people might not realize about me, just based on first glance, is my wife and I just got Apple TV a couple like three years ago. So we got we got Netflix on there. We got Hulu. We got Amazon. We got it. We got it all. HBO Go. Everything. Well, one thing that I've realized since we we got Apple TV is, and I don't know why this is, but I'm a huge, huge fan of the dramatic British TV shows, and especially the ones that are that are historical that have historical settings. Okay, so I'm talking about shows like Pull Dark, like Doctor Thorne, and my favorite. Of all of all this genre is probably Down, Downton Abbey. It's just fantastic, and there's nothing to the there's nothing to these shows. Okay, like uh, Downton Abbey is fantastic, and the 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 movie just came out last last year, I think, and the movie's great, but the show is even better, and it's just basically the story of this huge mansion in the British countryside owned by this rich family back in like the nineteen 19- early 1900s and it just follows the family the members of the family but the family back in those the the house back in those times they had a whole they were staffed you know what i mean you had butlers you had footmen you had valets you had cooks you had maids and it just follows everybody and like what their stories are and all the little dramatic things that happen in in the house but anyway i just i love those shows dude if i get started on a show like that 
I mean, I could watch those shows for hours and hours. So I think, you know, for somebody that just met me or somebody that doesn't know me real well, you probably wouldn't assume that about me. But, yeah, I love those shows. But that's my answer. You know what I appreciate about you, Dylan, is, and I think you'd agree with me, I've got a lot of, I got a lot of good friends and I got a lot of close buddies, but I can proudly say you're probably one of the weirdest ones I got. I'm going to take that as a compliment. No, I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you would agree with me. I yeah. mean, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have a friend other than you that watches British fucking soap operas or documentaries or whatever they are. That's probably good for you. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. So I'm going to answer the question. Um, you know, you say you like them TV shows, but here's something I didn't, I didn't have this first, you know, it didn't come into my head right away. But as soon as you started talking about TV, I'm like, well, listeners probably won't think of me watching this TV show. I really enjoy watching the bachelor or the bachelorette Oh man, on ABC. I mean, I love reality TV. I really do. And the way these guys and gals come into these shows, like strutting their stuff and like trying to impress one girl. Could you imagine being the bachelor and have 30 beautiful women come at you at one time? No, no, you, you couldn't do it. I mean, think how hard it is for them to do that show. I know it's mostly fake, but yeah, it's all for I was going to ask you how much of that do you think is scripted? Oh, all kinds. Dude. But mostly. Oh yeah. Like when girls start getting in tissy fits and they want to do something, like the producer's like, hey, you two get into it right here. Yeah. This would be great TV. All the time, dude. Oh, yeah. But I enjoy it. I mean, people watch it. It's one of the most watched TV shows of all time. Uh, It's got entertainment value for sure. But that's not what I wanted to say. Yes, I enjoy that show. But this might be a little weird, so hear me out. I can't cut my toenails without taking a hot shower first. I mean, that's that's a weird one. That's a weird one for you to for for that to be your answer to this question. It's kind of weird. But on the other hand, that makes total sense to me because when you come out of the shower, you know you're pruny, you're soft, you're soft. Like your your nails are softer. Yeah. So, if you try to if you're a man and you try to cut your toenails like say right when you wake up in the morning, You've been laying in bed. You've been laying in dry air for um, eight hours. And you get up and you try to cut your toenails. And you cut that first toenail and the fucker goes flying all the way across the living room and you can't find it. I mean, I, that's just uncalled for. I'd, I mean, I think so. And then you go to the next one that flies off. You can't find it. Out of the five toenails on one foot, you're probably finding three of them. The other two are out in the carpet somewhere. So yeah. what I like to do, I like to take a hot shower, get my feet nice and soft, and come up and cut my toenails. Makes and that sense. way, they just fall right into your hand. You're not losing nothing. You're not making a mess. Yep. There's no toenail clippings in your carpet. So, I mean, that's if if you've never tried it and you're one of them guys who just lets them fly all over the carpet, dude, take a hot shower first and cut your toenails. It's a whole different ballgame. Next question is from Jordan. If the human race was going to become extinct and you had the ability to keep one movie character alive who would you save and why i'll hop on this one um my one movie character that i would keep alive john rambo rolski have you ever seen any of the rambos you know 
the first blood was the first one, right? First blood. I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through. Okay. But now listen, I like, I got into movies later in my life. So the new one that he came out with, was that in like, I'm just guessing here. Don't fact check me. 11 or 12, probably 13. Okay. So let me catch you up. So he came out with one around that time. I'm not sure what the exact year was. The remake. That was called Rambo. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was just yeah. Rambo. Yeah. I think the first one was Rambo First Blood. First Blood. Um, the, the next two were like Rambo 2 Part 1 and Rambo 2 Part 2, I believe. Okay. I, I don't, don't fact check me on that. And then just recently, like within the last 10 or so years, he came out with Rambo. Yes. But then just like within the last yes, year and a half. he came out with another one. Yes. And I have yet to see that one. That, I haven't seen it yet either. I've been meaning to. But that one is Rambo Last Blood. Okay. So this is the last one in the series. So I've seen the Rambo and it was like, it was a short movie. It was like an hour and like 20 minutes. But let me tell you, the thing was action-packed, and I fucking loved it. It was a great movie. I loved it. I loved the storyline. I fell in love with it. it. Honestly, I mean, you can't go wrong with watching that movie. I'd watch it over and over again because it's action-packed the whole way through. There was not a slow part in it. Yeah. It was an hour and 20 minutes. So Rambo First Blood is a great one to have watched to get a sense for John Rambo's survival skills. There's a part in that in that first movie where he gets trapped in it. He gets stuck in a cave. Like there's this, they were using dynamite or something to try to blast him out of this cave, and everything collapses on him. And he's just trying to figure out how to survive and get out of there. He's out in the wilderness while they're trying to track him down, and he's just living off the land. Now, was he an escaped prisoner? So the whole storyline is he is a he's a war vet. I believe it's he's a Vietnam war vet. And he comes back to the States and he's just kind of drifting. You know, I, it, I don't think he has any family. He's just kind of wandering through this town in the Pacific Northwest. He's just, all he wanted was to just walk into this town and get something to eat. But there's this sheriff that catches him on the outskirts of town. And he's not, he's just minding his own business. He's not doing anything illegal. But this sheriff just is really protective of his town. He ends up arresting this this dude for vagrancy. Okay. They bring him into the station. They I book him. Arrested. And then he starts having flashbacks to when he was a prisoner of war. And he just goes goes nuts. And he just, he, he starts, you know, he just gets real violent. He ends up busting out of prison. And now there's a manhunt. And now he's out in the wilderness, somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. He's got the FBI. He's got feds in the local police they're all trying to track him down and he's just kicking their ass one turn after the next i mean it's good i mean it's that first one was excellent anyway with his set of skills and his the survival instincts that he has i mean if if i'm just trying to figure out how to survive and just make it one day to the next there's no other movie character i'd want to have by my side other than john rambo because of his specialized training so there you go john rambo copy that I'm going to go a little different way here. Okay. So it says if the human race was going to become extinct. Okay. So I went with the extinct word. So I'm thinking, I got, I got, I got actors, actresses running through my mind right now. And there's only one that pops right into it. And that is Jennifer Aniston. 
I'm going to keep Jennifer Aniston alive. And the, f- the first movie that comes to my mind is Horrible Bosses. Dr. Julia Harris. She's the dentist. When she's the dentist and she's in that outfit. <laughs> Good God almighty. Because when, when, you know, when everything goes to hell and people are just trying to survive, I mean, why wouldn't you want to have a dentist by your side in case you get a toothache, right? Well, I wasn't going for that. Oh. Well, if they're, <laughs> brother, if they're going extinct, something that looks that good deserves to stay alive. Good God almighty, simple as that. If you want to repopulate the fucking world, Jennifer Aniston and horrible bosses, Dr. Julia Harris, that's that. Next question. Fuck. <laughs> Next question's from Hayden. If you were Joe Exotic, how would you take care of Carol Baskins? This may come to a surprise to all the listeners out there, and probably you, Dylan, because I know you've seen it. I've never seen Tiger King. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not not even like one minute? I've never started the first episode. Well... That explains it, because if you start the first episode... <laughs> You're going to be hooked, right? It's almost physically impossible. Yeah, I mean, all these radio stations and podcasts and TV, they're all over this Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin bullshit right now. You know, I've, I've never seen it in Hayden, I'm sorry, but I'm going to try to answer the question best I can. So, from what I've heard, Joe Exotic is basically a batshit crazy man with a mullet who has several husbands and owns his own zoo with tigers. Am I right? That's... That's more or less the facts. Okay. So now Joe Joe Exotic is in jail because that because he tried to hire someone to kill Carol Baskin. It was a hire it was hired to kill plot, right? Hire hire for what do they call it? Hire for murder? Murder for hire. Murder for hire. Murder for hire. Okay. Sorry, I'm getting a little tipsy, guys. Murder for hire. So Joe is in jail for murder for hire on Carol Baskin. Now it's coming out that Carol Baskin is getting Joe Exotic's old zoo because of some old lawsuit. What was that? Is his name Jeff Lowe? That got does that make sense? I think it is Jeff Lowe. Yeah, don't fact check, but it sounds right. I know his last name's Lowe. I've seen it on the internet. Jeff Lowe was owning Joe's zoo because he was in the penitentiary. So some lawsuit came about. So Carol Baskin is taking that over. Then it came out, this crazy fucking bitch, I don't even know her, but she's crazier in hell from what I've read. She made up her husband's will to say, if you die, if I die or I disappear, I'll get all your money. Now, when I think about a husband's will, this guy, I'm not sure of her husband's name, I haven't done. I haven't dug in it that much, but her husband's not going to write on his will. Or if I disappear, what kind of crazy fucking bitch is going to say? <laughs> she's going to write that into the will, like that's going to pass. Or if I disappear, like woman, you're allegedly accused of killing your husband and feeding his body parts to the freaking tigers. That's and then you write or disappear in the will. Are you some kind of bad shit crazy? What do you gotta be? You know? Yeah, that's shady. I mean, my God. So 
Hayden, to answer your question, if I'm Joe Exotic and I'm sitting back here in the pen and I, you know he's getting fed all this bullshit through the media, you know. Yeah. He's giving out statements left and right. I'm not going to get into that, but if I'm Joe Exotic, I'm just going to let it go, you know? Like, this... You're just, just going to take the L? No, it's not... I might still take the L, but she's also going to take the L because this bitch, she's going to get caught for murder for long. Who writes in that will or disappear? I mean, that that's the main factor in this whole story. And now, this husband... His daughters that aren't with Carol Baskins, I don't know if you've heard this, but they they're lawyered up that this came out. They went they went in and they're saying it's forgery. So his daughters are lawyered up, and Carol Baskins she's going to get busted. Karma's going to bite her in the ass harder than the tigers even could, and she's going to end up in the pen for murder. So Joe, sit back, relax, and just let this bitch dig her own hole because Karma's going to bite her in the ass. That's my answer. All right, all right. So, I'm with you. I think that part of the reason uh, I don't, I watched the I watched the whole documentary. So you know more than I do. I well, I I've watched it, but I don't really I don't remember the specific reason why he's in prison. I think it had something to do with Carol Baskin. I just remember like when he was out in society, he would he was posting YouTube videos. He was. He had like mannequins dressed up like Carol Baskin, pointing guns at their at her. I mean, just like stuff that's just like way, way too much. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what landed him there in the first place, if I'm not mistaken. So if I'm Joe Exotic and I'm in the, and I'm in the clink, so there's not a whole lot I can do. In you know the clink, son. Yeah, there's not a whole lot I can do really to troll her or to you know whatever. If I'm Joe Exotic, I'm just going to try to find some ways, if I still have that much disdain for her in my heart, I'm just going to try to find some ways to play like some subtle mind games with her. You know what I mean? Like maybe uh, a couple ideas I had. Hire a mariachi band to play and just like follow her around wherever she goes. (laughs) Wherever she goes, she's got a mariachi band following her around. I think that'd be funny. Um just like having somebody call her at like 3:30 in the morning every single night and then hanging up when she when she answers that would be that would be good or another thing is like just you know shipping her like a case of expired mayonnaise once a week and if nothing else she just got to figure out what to do with this case of expired mayonnaise stuff like that you know what I mean it's nothing serious no harm's being done to anybody you're not making any threats but yet, in your own weird, twisted kind of way, you're still, if you're Joe Exotic, you still feel like you're getting back at her in some kind of way. So there you go, Hayden. Thanks hope for the we answered. Hope we answered that all right for you, Hayden. I'm sure you were expecting a little bit more, but we don't condone no violence on this podcast, son. Next question is from Dylan. What is your biggest disappointing moment, and what did you learn from it? I'm just going to hop right in on this one, Dylan, because there's only one... There's only one thing that comes to my mind on the most disappointing moment moment in my life. And it's easy for me. It was my junior year basketball season. It was a uh, sectional finals. We were up two points with like three seconds left and the opposing team had the length of the court to go. Long story short, they made the shot and I can't really remember if I was guarding the ball or if I came over to help, you know, it's, it's all blurry to me now. It was over 10 years ago, but, Either way, this kid, 
He gathered himself about five foot past the half court line, and I can remember it till this day. And I can't remember if I was guarding him or if I came over to help, but either way, he threw one hell of a pump fake up, and I went jumping. And I went flying. I landed out of bounds. I jumped so high. I went jump so far. It's a hell of a pump fake, and, you know, congrats to him for the hell of a pump fake, and little be known, he threw that damn near half-court shot up, and it went in nothing but net. Mm-hmm. And the heartbreak that came with that, it was, I mean, it, I can't explain it. I mean, I'm thinking about it right now, and I don't even want to think about it because, I mean, that was the most disappointing moment. I'm I'm telling you right now in my one of the most disappointing moments in my life right now is because I can, I'm just going back to that day and like my heart was so high because there was three seconds left and he had to go full court and I thought there was no way in hell that they could get this shot off and actually make it. And this kid, he threw up a prayer. It went in, nothing but net. And after that, we all went into the locker room and I'm going to tell you right now, I've cried twice I've cried twice in my basketball days, and that was one of them. And I'll never forget that day. And the lesson I learned that day was the game's not over till the clock strikes zero. I'm being serious when I say this. You guys out there playing high school, college, even in the NBA, I mean, these guys know it. The clock or the game is not over till the clock strikes zero. And I mean, I've I've taken that later in life. I mean, never never give up these kids never gave up they knew they had a chance and they threw up a prayer and it went in so what i learned from that is never give up and stay down on the pump fake keep your feet on the floor be disciplined be disciplined there's three seconds left just put a hand up the kid's probably not going to make it but he pump faked us he had a wide open shot once he pump faked he was wide open and it went in so never give up and stay on the floor straight up son yeah, Dylan, uh, this is a good question. I appreciate you sending it in. And uh, in order for me to answer, I'm going to have to get a little bit real on this one. Um, you might have been looking for an answer similar to Rolski's. You know, was it a game? Was it a single moment? And for me, it wasn't. It was, I can't narrow it down to a single moment, but really it was kind of like a stretch of my life that was, I look back on and I'm just kind of disappointed in myself about. And it was from like, I was probably like from the age of 23 to the age of 25, 26. And I I say that because in that stretch, you know, I was out of college and I was, I was trying to figure out what the next steps of my life look like. And a big part of that for me was trying to figure out who I was going to spend the rest of my life with, like who was my life partner going to be. And that was important to me because I've always wanted a family. I've always I've always wanted to get married. I've always wanted to have kids. And uh, in that stretch of my life, I still had a lot of growing up to do. I was still, in a lot of ways, I was still pretty immature. I hadn't really grown up yet. I hadn't really decided who I wanted to be, what the kind of man I wanted to be for the rest of my life. And so I kind of went through that stretch. I kind of went through a series of relationships where um, I just wasn't mentally and emotionally prepared enough to take these relationships on and looking back I kind of I kind of acted in a way that wasn't the most respectful towards these people Um, I I wasn't the most kind towards these people I wasn't the most uh, communicate the 
word I'm looking for is like I didn't communicate well. I did I wasn't a very good communicator back then. And um and a lot of relationships during that time ended um in a very bitter kind of way and it was my doing and in, in those situations and you know it was my fault and looking back I just I have a lot of regrets about the, some of the things that I just the way that I acted and I think it was just because during that time I was looking for somebody that could make me happy because I wasn't all that happy with myself during that period of my life and um, I was trying to find that in somebody else and and I wasn't mature enough at that point in time to realize like nobody else's no it's nobody else's responsibility to make me happy that's nobody else's job. You know, it, my happiness is my own responsibility. And so I put these relationships up on the, these pedestals like, well, if this person's not making me as happy as I feel like I should be, then, you know, then it's no good. And I didn't I didn't really realize at that point in time that my own happiness is my own responsibility. And so I did, like I said, I just I look back on that time and I'm I'm kind of disappointed in the way that I acted and the and, and the way that I handled some of those situations, um, but also at the same time, like it was a period of growth for me. I, I learned some things about myself that I've you know I've carried with me to to where I am today. And and at the same time, like if I wouldn't have learned those lessons, and who knows, I you know I might have never. I might have never started dating my wife and, you know, maybe we never get married. So it's hard for me to completely regret that time. But looking back on it, it's something that I I was disappointed in myself, I guess, to answer the question. And the lesson that I learned is you're responsible for your own happiness and you're never going to you're never going to meet the right person for you until you're the right person for yourself. You know what I mean? And I know I'm getting kind of deep here, but like, I just, I felt like I needed to, to include that when I was answering this question. Cause you know, we want to answer these questions truthfully. And I feel like you never, you're, you're not ready to meet the right person until you, you have become the right person. And for me personally, that didn't happen until I was a little bit, you know, until a little later in life, until my, my mid to late twenties. So anyway, that's the time when I look back on and that's, that's the thing I'm most disappointed about. I'm going to tell you what, what you just said there, that was beautiful. That was beautiful, but. That wasn't too heavy, was it? That was pretty fucking heavy for the podcast here. Sip and serve, we like to have fun. You know, we sip and we serve, but you just served it up, brother. You got to get real sometimes. Dude, that was real. That was real, and that might have been too real. I'm sitting over here like, do I want to puke? Do I want to cry? Do I want to drink my beer? But. Brother, that was beautiful. It's it's all about growth. I got you, brother. You, you live and you learn, man. Absolutely. Live Corey, next question. This one's from Austin. Uh, if you can only choose sex or sports, sports whether playing or watch, for the rest of your life, which of the one are you choosing? Let me take this one first because my answer is pretty simple. I love sports. I love watching them. I love playing them. Uh, sport is a big part of who I was and who I am today. It taught me a lot of life lessons. Um, I bond with friends and family over sports all the time, but I'm going to have to go with the other option on this just because 
of my wife and I, you know, we want to start a family. And so if I have to sacrifice sport just in order to start a family and, and have kids, then that's what I'm going to do. So there you go. I'm going to go the same way. I mean, it's pretty easy for me. I mean, I've already went through the main stage of playing sports in my life, me and you both, Dylan. I'm pretty happy with, you know, growing up in bitty ball, basketball, to little league. I wasn't very good in baseball. You've already heard that. But I had fun doing it with my friends. Like you said, we we're it's a big old bonding experience. So all the way, you know, you're playing in little league. You're going straight up through junior high, high school. We both played sports in college. So, I mean, and we've also played in men's leagues before you know, later after college life. So if I have to give up sports, I mean, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I mean, we've already had our our best. You know, we've already had our best experiences in the sports life. Right. And this COVID-19 shit, I mean, he says, he says watch sports. Hell, we haven't had sports in the last four months. Right. And look at us now. We're thriving and we're surviving, baby. We're thriving and surviving. We figured it out. We figured it out. And if sports were gone forever, so what? But think about this. When you're that, I don't know. I've got a lot of friends who are in their 40s going into their 50s. And I look at them. They can't play sports no more. They just sit back and drink beer. And they have their wives. They have their children. That's what I want. So when we're 40, you got to look forward in life. So when you're 40 and 50, they drink beer. I mean, they have a good time with their families. They, I mean, they're, they're raising families. They're raising kids. They're, ha- they, they enjoy, they're enjoying life, you know, later, later in life. They work all week. They support their families. So when I think about this question, I'm going to say I'd rather have sex than sports because you can only play sports for so long. And watching sports, I mean, it's whatever. I mean, we're, we're doing that right now, and I'm thriving and surviving. So I'm going to go I'm gonna go with the uh, first half of the question. I'm going to rather have sex than sports. Austin, great question once again. Next question is from Josh. Would you rather be spoon-fed every meal by Donald Trump or lose and regrow your teeth every day? Solid question. <laughs> I mean, when I first seen this question, I, I did nothing but laugh because the first thing I thought of was Donald Trump. I don't know why I thought of this. I thought as me as a child, but in my grown body. Yeah, that's what I That's what I, <laughs> I pictured. I thought of myself in a, in a uh, child seat. What do they call them? A uh, high chair? High chair. High chair. I thought of myself in a high chair, but smaller in my same body. <laughs> yeah. And I thought of Donald Trump sitting next to me in a chair doing the the doing the jet with the baby food coming at me for some reason i just thought of myself as a baby (laughs) he's like doing the jet as a baby i'm sitting over here like look at this motherfucker with his rosy red cheeks his fake hair blowing in the fucking wind his toupee is going to fly off and he's bringing this jet straight into my mouth yeah and i'm thinking one if i don't if i don't if this guy says something smart to me I can put this food in my mouth and I can spit it right back in his face. That's what I thought. I'm like, you have the opportunity. You don't have to swallow that food. Just spit it right back at him. So I don't want to lose my teeth, Dylan. Who does? Think how painful that would be if you lost your teeth and then had to grow them back every day just to eat. I don't want to go through that misery. So I'm going to take Donald Trump's goofy ass sitting over here in this chair doing the whole jet here it comes here it comes are you ready open up and if i don't want to eat it i'm just going to spit it right back in his dumb face 
That's my answer. <laughs> I'm not growing teeth, dude. Just let me say this. I'm not growing teeth and Joe Exotic 2020. That's it. Oh. Dylan, what you got? <laughs> All right. So uh, this is a good question. It's kind of like the um, the question we had a while back with the volcano walk and losing your sight. I mean, it's just a lose-lose, really. But um, my first thought was, how fast can I regrow my teeth? You know, if it's a situation where the, the minute I wake up in the morning, I start to lose my teeth, but by mid-morning, you know, my teeth are already regrown halfway, and then they're they're fully grown back in by noon, then that might be that might be my my option. Um, for the sake of answering the question, though, I'm just going to assume that that's not the case, that I'm toothless for most of the day, and I don't regrow my teeth back in until, let's say, the evening sometime. With my job, with my line of work, I can't go toothless all day long because, you know, if I got middle school kids walk into my office and they want to talk to me about serious things that they're dealing with, I can't be sitting there without any teeth in my head because they ain't going to take me seriously and I'm not going to be able to help anybody. Yeah, uh, you'd be talking like this. I wish we had YouTube. Uh, I'm shaping my lips over my teeth. That's the way you'd be talking. They probably couldn't understand it. Yeah. Even in the age of COVID, if I had a, a mask on, I'm still not going to sound right, even if they, you know. So anyway, I think on this one, I'm going to take, I'm going to have President Trump feeding me every meal. And uh, the way I picture it is, you know, I'm just, I'm sitting here having dinner with my wife. We're out at a restaurant and then you got Donald J sitting over here on the side and he's just, he has to feed me my meal. You know, it's spoon fed, son. That's just how it is. Um, I figure. Now, how would you feel about him? I mean, honestly, how would you feel about him? Just well, <laughs> I don't. You know, and that's that's another you know clarification I'd like to get straightened out. Is like, is he sitting there? Is he strictly just feeding me, or is he like conversing with us? Is, <sighs> is he making himself part of the conversation? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. But I feel like just his presence. If I'm by myself and he's feeding me, then that's not all bad because, I mean, I could be doing other things while he's feeding me. You know what I mean? I could be, like, do it, checking emails and replying to things and getting work done, you know, and then I just, like, turn my head and let him put the spoon yeah, in my mouth. Every I'm, not, I'm not just calling out Donald Trump on this one. I'm calling out anybody. If, you're, if, if someone's feeding me, they... They better be doing it right, you know, not getting it all over my beard. You know, you're coming in with spaghetti and it's all dripping all over your face. Like, I'm, you know, I'm a Trump supporter to some point, but if this guy's bringing in spaghetti like a freaking helicopter straight at my face and, it, and it's, it's going all over my beard, I'm going to get pissed, yeah. you know. And it's not just Trump. I'll spit it in anybody's face if you're not doing it right. Yeah. But I'd rather do that than lose teeth. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is like, I feel like I can learn something from the guy. You know what I mean? If it's like if I'm eating breakfast at my house and he's sitting next to me and he's having to feed me and we get to talking, you know, I feel like I could learn something from him. I mean, yeah, but then there's also stuff you're going to X out that he's going to say, obviously. Right. But yeah. I, th I thought to myself, well, if he's, you know, if he starts talking jive, if he starts just whatever and I don't, and I'm not into, I'm not interested. I just pop my headphones in 
and I, you know, I watch some Seinfeld on my phone while he's he's feeding me, and then that's that's the end of it. <laughs> I'm done. It. I'm done eating, and I think you know the way I read the question is he just up and leaves until and, you're ready to eat again. Until I'm ready to sit down and eat eat lunch or whatever. So I'm gonna go with that one. But Good I will deal. say, like, it's going to get awkward. Yeah, well, it is. It's going to get awkward when it's, you know, like Valentine's Day and I take my wife somewhere nice. <laughs> and it's me, her, and Donnie J over here. <laughs> Donnie J. And it's going to be hard to get comfortable there. But yeah, whatever, I got you. Whatever. Next question. All right, next question comes from Drew. Your hometown is being taken over by outsiders. They are riding on the backs of random, random animals and trying to kill you. If you could pick one animal to ride into battle on, what are you picking? <laughs> you know, this is this is a great question because I really had to sit down and think about this one. And I usually don't do research. But when I read this question in the email, I sat down and got on my MacBook and I threw in the most dangerous animals. You're not the only one. <laughs> And there was there was a lot there was a lot I mean there was there was the fuck uh, I forget what the first name of it was some kind of crocodile do you remember no some kind of crocodile freshwater freshwater crocodile they said they they could go twenty seven feet long and they were just vicious animals and they eat more people in the world more than anything but I'm talking about going into I'm going into battle crocodiles so low to the ground dude. <laughs> Dude, I, I can't ride a crocodile. I'm picturing you riding on a crocodile. <laughs> yeah, it ain't going to happen. It doesn't look right, Okay, dude. It doesn't look so right. So then I head. also thought about the jaguar. Fast, elusive, can climb trees. But once again, so low to the ground. Same thing with the lion. I thought about the lion, king of the jungle, the tiger, the Bengal tiger. Those are vicious. And they also said the anaconda or the black mamba. Which, Kobe, I kind of wanted to pick the Black Mamba, but I can't ride a Black Mamba. Right. I can't ride an Anaconda. So, and what really pissed me off was they mentioned some kind of freaking beetle that had a big head and had, like, pinchers on it, but they can carry, like, big rocks and stuff on their back because they got, like, the the really hard back. They said they're the most strongest, vicious animals in the world. I'm thinking... They ain't strong enough to carry your bony yeah, ass. Yeah, they ain't carry... Well, a, the, yeah, but... It's a beetle, man. It's like it's big. Well, I know, but that's what they're saying. They can carry rocks, you know, three times the size of them, so they're strong. I'm like, that's a bullshit freaking lie. I'm not standing on no beetle going into battle. Exactly. So you know what I picked? I picked the African elephant. Let's go. African elephant, they stand 13 feet tall, 14,000 pounds, and can run 15 fucking mile per hour. Now listen, 15 mile per hour isn't fast, but we're talking about an in-city, village, community battle. I'm trying to protect my town along with my, along with my villagers. We're all going into battle. 13 feet, 14,000, going 15. Mile per hour. Now listen, I'm on the top of this elephant, and I got two AR-15s in both hands, and I'm just laying hate. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just laying hate on everybody. I'm just <laughs> AR-15s, and when they're out, I'm flipping them back on their slings. I'm pulling out pistols, choo, 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 off the top of this elephant, straight into battle. Now the reason I picked this elephant is because it's got strong skin. 
It's like body armor. Yeah. So if these other guys are toting like tigers and stuff, then yeah, them tigers are going to jump on my elephant and they're going to be biting and clawing, blah, blah, blah. But that's when I, you know, I get out the piss or the AR-15 and I knock them off. So it's got strong skin and it's strong enough. Like if there's cars like blocking the way, like on fire, like kind of like a riot or something. And these guys set up like a trap. This elephant can run right through it. It's 14,000 pounds, man. It's strong enough to knock these cars over and run right through them. So I need something that's going to last. And I think the African elephant can keep me safe enough to last through this war. And one of the main reasons, if I get off, you know, to like tussle with someone or fight off in a, in battle, this elephant with its tusk, their strongest part of their body is like their nose slash tusk that reaches out. It can wrap me up in this tusk and it can lift me off the air from these other animals. Dang. And I can be and I can be elusive with my AR-15. I'm swinging in there, just popping, two, two, one by one, bam. There went a head, bam. There went arm, bam. Knocking people down, knocking animals down. African elephant, 13 feet tall, 14,000 pounds, run 15 mile per hour, protecting the fuck out of the fort. That's my answer. You read into that one. You, that's... that's, I did a little research. We don't do that a lot on the podcast, but I'm going with the African elephant. That's impressive research because my uh, my first thought was an elephant. That was the first animal that came to mind was an elephant. And the only reason I went away from the elephant is because what if I got knocked off, which is going to happen. You know what I mean? You're in the thick of a battle. What if I get knocked off and I got to get back on? How am I going to get back on? You know why now. I do know why now, but I didn't think of that it's at the gonna time. It's going to wrap you up, dude. You've seen it before on the videos and stuff. They like pick trees and stuff and yeah. all about that. So they can definitely pick my skinny ass up. Yep. Throw me right back on the back and I'm back in the fight. Yep. But I'm just going to stick with my answer. I mean... So that for that reason, I went away from the elephant. But they got a lot of good qualities when it comes to, you know, hand-to-hand combat. My next thought was, what about a giraffe? Because you're up elevated, you're up off the ground, you can see what's going on, you're higher than everybody. Plus, giraffes can get pretty fast. They, they can run. They're quick. Um, but again, the issue is, what if I fall off? How am I going to get back and on? I, and I think you see, like, giraffes and stuff in the safari getting attacked by you know, wild lions and stuff. They're, they can't fight. Them. They're, they're not a fighter. They like, don't, they're not, they're not violent animals. No, they're not. And so that's what I went towards. They're not predators and they don't have a lot of stamina. Yeah. They, they get tired easy. Also, if an elephant needed to, it's going to stomp on a freaking tiger. One foot, bam, 14,000 pounds. That tiger's done. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. I don't see a draft doing that. Do yeah, you? I don't either. So that was, I, that's why I axed the giraffe. Okay. My next thought, you know what the deadliest animal as far as human deaths in the world is? Yeah. What is it? Hippopotamus. Hippos, right? <laughs> so I thought if there's if outsiders are overtaking the town, then those are those are guys. Those are humans. Hippos kill more humans a year than any other animal. You're damn right. They got so, the lock jaw. <laughs> so what about Some hippos? Some women do, but hippos got the lock jaw. <laughs> um <laughs> But like this, this battle's happening on dry land, and hippos are most comfortable in the water. So, plus they're not that they're not all that fast. So I went away from hippos. What I landed on, and you and you mentioned this animal, and your answer, king of the jungle, 
the Lion. I I mean, and honestly, honestly, it was probably my second pick. Honestly, I probably would have went with a Jaguar because Jaguars are elusive and they're the they're one of the fastest animals besides the cheetah on the planet Earth, and they can climb trees. So if I needed to get up in a tree, the jaguar could take me up there and hide, and I could just shoot out of the tree. But the lion, that was probably my third pick after the elephant, jaguar, lion, king of the jungle. And that's a great pick. I mean, they're they're intimidating. They're ferocious. They are. Dude, they're they're they're. They're main eaters. Yeah, if I'm if I'm off of the lion and I'm you know and I'm fighting and I'm over here doing this and that, like I can count on that lion to take out at least two or three guys. Straight meat eaters. Yeah, yep. I mean no problem. And I then, agree. You know if I jump back on and like you you were saying like what if there's cars and what if there's stuff in the way and it's going to jump on top of it's going to jump them. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You seen a cat jump on top of a chain link fence? Yeah, absolutely. I mean them things can jump like four or five times their their body height you know what i mean so anyway lion king of the jungle good answer hey drew it's one of the better answers but i'm a big wwe guy and now we have the question of the week walters go ahead and do the honors for me listeners on your feet it's time for the question of the week. Brought to you by the Old Canal Smokehouse. For the very first time, he's standing tall at the top. He goes by the name of Reed. If Vince McMahon hired you guys as the next big thing to hit the WWE ring and you were able to choose your outfits, persona, entrance music, and a finishing move, what would you pick? This song, this question is right in your wheelhouse, ain't it? Dude, when I, when he sent this question, he knew who he was sending it to. He knew he was sending it to. He knew I would love it and read I appreciate it. But there's several things that go into this, Dylan. And I think me and you should kind of answer this together and not just single each other out here. All right. If you were a WWE wrestler, what would you wear? I mean, what I mean, if you if you were your own person and you could pick anything, what would be what would what would your fashion be like? Well, in order to explain my my outfit I need to go into the whole persona. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's so, my. That's part. Well, of let my me answer. lead off by saying, I wouldn't wear a speedo. You know how they wear like the tight, yeah, underwear type speedos. Yeah. You're not in one of them, are you? No. Yeah, neither am I. So let me let me tell you what I would wear, and you go. You tell me what you'd wear. I would go into. I would wear like a pair of jeans. But they wouldn't be. I don't. I don't want to be in tights. Like these guys wear speedos or tights mostly, with like the big tall boots almost to their knees. That's yeah. what most wrestlers wear. Not me. I want to go in with like a pair of jeans, not loose but not tight, and I want to have a pair of Jordan ones on. Just a pair of Jordan ones. I want to be like a, a relaxed wrestler. That's what <laughs> I'd go in as. All right. I, I wouldn't like being all tight. You know, yeah, and that's what that's what they do. What would you wear? Well, 
You if can I'm, go into it if you need to. I, I'm I'm going to need to go in. Oh, yeah, this. you go in because right. I'll follow you right up because I, I got what I want to do. Okay. But I, I kind of wanted to break it up, but let's go this way. Go okay. ahead. All right. Have you ever seen the movie 300? Yeah. Oh, yep, yep. Okay. Yep. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Okay. And if you are a fan of that movie, uh, I highly recommend the book Gates of Fire by Stephen Pressfield. It's my, my favorite book of all time. And I've read it multiple times, but I've always since since the the movie Three Hundred came out, I've always ever since then it came out in two thousand six. So this is fourteen years ago. Ever since that that movie came out, I've always had an interest in ancient Sparta and Spartan culture. And I've read books about it. I've read articles. I follow things on social media. So my character, my persona, my wrestling name would be. The Spartan. The Spartan. The Spartan. So basically what my outfit's going to be, if you remember King Leonidas from the movie 300, he had a helmet with the crest on top. He had um, like a scarlet cloak on that was tied around his neck. He had, he didn't in the movie, he just had like a pair of like leather briefs on, but like in the in the ring I would have some like body armor from my neck down to my waist. He had like bronze. So you, you're kind of like. I'm going I, all in on I this. I don't know if you know this guy, but you're kind of like Roman Reigns. He wears a bulletproof vest. So you said body armor. So you're thinking like a, a like a it's armor vest kind of. Bronze. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah but it's still same thing. So I'm, I'm trying to go into it. Sort of. Roman Reigns wears a bulletproof vest. So you're wearing an armor vest kind of. It's like body armor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got you. And it's made out of bronze, and, and they got like these bronze shin guards that they would wear in battle, and these bronze forearm guards that they would wear. He wears they're... the same thing. Does he? He's got forearm guards on, too. Does he? Yes. Okay, so. Keep going. It's, okay, so I know Roman Reigns, but I didn't know this about him. Yeah, anyway, his, one of his main moves is a Superman punch. I, I've seen the Superman punch. And he, he like cocks it like a gun his his fist and it's and like a hits it into the ground yeah, i've so seen you, that oh, don't tell me you're a roman reigns want to fucking be because no, i don't fucking no. like him i'm doing i'm going in a different direction all right i hope so so <laughs> so yeah man like um and i'm going to carry a shield with me because in spart ancient spartan culture like the shield was the most important weapon i mean they had spears they had they had you know these big swords but the most important weapon to the Spartans was the shield because the shield protected the whole unit. Okay, so I'm thinking Roman Reigns, and now there's this tag team called the Viking Raiders. And what you're explaining, you're what you're explaining is the Viking Raiders to me. But they don't wear body armor. They're like they're like raiders, and they they do carry a shield though. That's what reminded me of. What's them. the shield look like? Is it round? Yeah, it's kind of like a round they carried on their forearm down to the ring. It's it's just like an accessory. They don't ever use it or nothing. Yo, I don't and that'd think, be good for you. Yeah, it's not. I don't. Can you even use it? Well, a, you'd probably de- get disqualified if right. it wasn't a hardcore match. But go ahead. Yeah. So see, this is where you're a bigger wrestling fan than me. I don't know these. No, things. No, you're good. Keep going. But I would carry. I would carry this shield with me, and it would have the lambda on it, just like you know the Spartans did. Um, and. For my entrance, well, I'd also have to like grow grow my hair long because ancient Sparta, the war ancient Spartan warriors they they wore their hair long and they all had beards like that was a symbol of you're a warrior 
right? So I'd have to grow all that stuff out. Even though I can't grow a beard, I'd do my best. Um, but my entrance music, is, it's, it's not going to be something contemporary. I'm thinking like something, like I'm thinking classical music. Something epic, though. Oh, like yeah. Something, something that's fierce, something that has a bite to it. You know what Something I mean? that would get the fans, they'd be like, oh, shit, who's this? Yeah. But it wouldn't be, like, too hard. No, it's not hard. It's not, I mean, it's not all that hard. There's plenty of wrestlers out there that have that kind of music that it, you're just like, oh, man, this music sucks. But you're interested. Yeah. That's what. That's where I'm going with you. Yeah. You'd come out and it'd just, like, hit. That'd probably be me. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hit hard, but you'd be like, Oh shit! It's this guy. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's that's gonna be me. Um. So for my finishing move, do you remember? It's one of the very last scenes of the movie where the three hundred Spartans they're face to face with Xerxes. He's the he's the king of the Persian army, and they're face to face with him. And Leonidas bows down to him, which is what he wanted all along. He's like, I just want, I just want you to bow down to me. Because I want to, you know, I want to invade your country. I want to take you over. I want to make you slaves. I want to make you allies of Persia, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, in that scene, Leonidas is down on all fours. And another Spartan soldier, he comes out from the back. And you don't even see him coming. But he jumps off of Leonidas's back. And he slings this spear right at Xerxes' head. And cuts him across the cheek. Because... The whole thing, the whole movie was he's invincible. Like he's divine. He's a god. He can't be, he can't be hurt. He can't be killed. Like he's invincible. He's immortal. Well, this spear cuts him right across the cheek and makes him bleed. And like that's a whole other symbolic thing. But my finishing move would be something similar to that, where I like, I jump off of something and I jump off the top rope, jump off the top rope, something like that, or the turnbuckle or something. And I don't, I'm not going to have a spear. But like I want to, I want to incorporate that into my finishing move somehow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't have it all nailed down. It's not all polished, but just from from the from what I brainstormed, that's what I got so far. Dude, as a non wrestling fan sitting here, here you're not a wrestling fan. So I'm sitting over here as a wrestling fan, and I'm hearing you say this, and I'm proud of you. Thank really, you. because that was a fucking great answer. That that means a lot dude, coming from you, dude. That was a great answer. And to listeners out there, I watch, I watch every pay per view, I watch Monday Night Raw, and I watch Thursday night or not Thursday, Friday night SmackDown now, and I watch it every week. So, Dylan, it's good stuff. Anyways, Reed, when I think of this question, dude, there's so many memories that go through my mind that I would love to be and like I want to be Stone Cold Steve Austin who drinks beer and raises hell all over the crowd I mean when we were growing up I don't know about you guys Corey VK and Dylan but I mean in 1997 I was driving down the road my mom and dad were driving me down the road to a friend's house whose parents were big time in the WWF at the time World Wrestling Federation. It wasn't WWE. It was the Attitude Era. And they would drive me down on a Sunday night to my friend's house, and I'd be watching wrestling, falling asleep on their floor because they got all the pay-per-views. And they'd come down after the main event and pick me up and bring me back home, and I'd go to school the next day, and I was seven years old. That's how big of a WWF fan I was. 
Shout out Pickle. Anyway, I've been a wrestling fan my whole life, and Reed, this is a great question. NWO, Degeneration X. That's what first pops into my mind after Stone Cold. Is NWO, WCW, and WWF, WWE, and Degeneration X. How many times, Dylan, did you go to school and you seen kids giving you the suck it sign from Degeneration X when you were younger? Dude, I remember. That was the biggest yeah, thing ever, wasn't it? That Every kid was doing that. Dude, they I, were just giving you the X straight on their privates and saying, suck it. I got two words for you. You can suck it. Yeah. Dude, Degeneration X. It's because everybody watched wrestling back in the day. Nowadays, it's, it's getting kind of shitty, but. Back in the day was when you wanted to watch wrestling. So when I think of wrestling, I think of Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall in the NWO, and then I think of Triple H, X-Pac, Shawn Michaels, Billy Gunn, and the Road Dog in D-Generation X, along with China. Rest in peace, China. And if I could pick anybody to be with, it would probably be DX. But that's not the question. question is, if you were the next big thing. So I'm going into my mind. If I wanted to be a wrestler, I don't want to be Stone Cold. I don't want to redo that. I don't want to be in DX. I don't want to be an NWO. I want to be my own guy. So when I was growing up, I always enjoyed watching them guys wrestle. But the matches I really wanted to see were the hardcore matches. Guys getting slammed through tables. Guys getting hit upside the head with chairs. Guys jumping off the hell in the cell. Just doing crazy shit. Because that's what the fans wanted to see, man. They wanted to see blood. They wanted to see violence. And this was all fake, of course. But that's what the fans wanted to see. And when I was a kid, if a guy got slammed through a table, I'm like, holy crap, dude, did you see that? I'm hitting my buddy in the shoulder like, man, did you see that? They don't do that a lot nowadays. But when I think back to my childhood, that's all I wanted to watch. So, I'm coming out. Maybe in like a, I don't know. I don't, I don't even want to say a cutoff. I'll, I'll probably come out shirtless, skinnier in hell. And I'd probably be tattooed up. If I was a wrestler, I want tats everywhere. I'd probably have sleeves. And I'd be in like a pair of jeans, like I said earlier, but not baggy. Just like a tight, but not too tight with a pair of Jordan 1s on. And I'm coming out with a book bag on my back. And you know, nowadays these Back when we played baseball, Dylan, they didn't have these, I don't think, but they have these book bags now that carry the bats yeah. in both sides. Oh, yeah, man. You're not cool unless you have one of those these days. Yeah, so you're carrying your Dean Marinis or whatever the fuck they're called, these baseball bat brands, in, their, in the slots. In these. So instead of baseball bats, because I don't want to be like Sting, Sting always carried a black wooden baseball bat. I'm carrying lead pipes with the white baseball wrap around them. I'm having two of them in my baseball bag, kind of like nunchucks. Yeah. But they're not nunchucks. They're just lead pipes. I'm having. I'm carrying out two lead pipes every time I come to the ring. Now, some matches aren't hardcore, so I can't use them all the time. But like you said, you have a shield every time you come out. I'm carrying the backpack with the lead pipes in case I need them. So my main persona is I'm going to be a badass. And I'm coming out, I'm talking shit to everybody, kind of like Stone Cold did, because I loved how he did that. But he was always a fan favorite. But he always put his opponent down. Like, Stone Cold always got 
the last word in the conversation because he was that big of a badass. That's what I want to be. I want to come out and say, if you want some, come get some. And I'll pull out my lead pipe with the pipe, or the, uh, the tape around the end of the pipe, and I'm ready to beat someone's ass. So I'm going to be a hardcore wrestler. And I wouldn't mind, you know, all these other guys, they have like managers. I wouldn't mind having like a hot, hot chick coming out with me. Like, oh, yeah, this guy's badass. I love him. Like if my wife, like if Katie, if Katie was a manager to me, yeah. she'd come out and like on my arm and she's like walking around in a short skirt and stuff like and distracting like the opponents. Like if I'm hurt, she's distracting somebody and I can come up behind and she's got the ref distracted. I'm coming up with a lead pipe and I'm hitting this guy and then I get the win. Yeah. So I guess I'm not really a fan favorite if I want to be like that. If you wrestling fans don't know, um, the heel is the bad guy. And the good guy is called a face. So I would kind of be like Stone Cold. He was kind of both his whole career, kind of in the in between. He was never a heel. He was borderline face and heel. But he could be good and he could be bad if he wanted to. And I kind of want to be that badass, my own version of Stone Cold, you know? Yeah. Fan favorite, but still kicking ass. Putting people through tables, hitting people with chairs, lead pipe, and the Hell in a Cell wrestling match. It's like a 30-foot cage. All above the ring, I want to just jump off that son of a bitch and just land on somebody on a table. I want to give the fans what they want. And if I want to get busted open, give some collar, which is blood, let's do it. Yeah. I, and if you don't know wrestling fans out there, if you're not a wrestling fan, collar, these guys blade. So they, they have like a, a razor blade and they're tucked in. Like if they wrap their wrists in uh, tape, they got razor blades in there. So at some point in the match when the camera's not on them, they'll put a little cut in their forehead. That's how they get blood. They cut themselves on the forehead. I'm not Jeez. I'm being dead serious when I say this. Look it up. So I'm not if I if I need to get the fans on my side and get some collar, because that's what they want to see, I'll give me a, myself a little collar. I want to be a fan favorite, dude. I want to be known as the badass. You're committed. And if I'm coming out to a song, entrance music, it's gonna be Bad Motherfucker by MGK and fucking Kid Rock. Yeah, I'm a bad, bad, bad motherfucker. Yeah, that's that's what I'm coming out as. Of course, they probably wouldn't be able to say it on live TV, but when I think of Kid Rock doing interest music, it was the Undertaker when he was the American badass. Undertaker came out on a Harley, and he was the American badass. But I don't want to use that same song because that's that's my favorite Kid Rock song. So I'm just going to use the MGK version and Kid Rock as a bad motherfucker. And my finishing move is, I love the stunner so much, but listen to this. I'm going to do a stunner as my setup, and he's going to do the flip-flop over the ring, and he's going to be down. And all the fans want to see is, like, these athletic guys doing, like, flips and shit off the... I'm going to be the hardcore guy who does a stunner and then does a shooting star press. You probably don't know what that is, Dylan. (laughs) But look it up on YouTube. It's a badass move. Shooting star press off the top rope. One, two, my opponent after the stunner. One, two, three. I'm going, and my name's going to be Clater. 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 I mean, it's kind of hardcore. It's not too soft. It's not too hard. Just Clater. All right. Now entering the ring for the WWE Championship, Clater. Simple. Simple as that, dude. Simple as that. You brought it. You brought it, and I'm going to say 
I, I can't speak on behalf of the listeners, but I mean, I imagine that you did not disappoint them in your answer to this question. Yeah, I mean, all right. I mean, Reed, good question, man. Keep them coming. That'll do it for us. That is the end of our show. Hope you all enjoyed listening. Don't forget to rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Sip and Serve Pod and like us on Facebook. Our email is sipandservepod at gmail.com. Send in those questions for episode six. And a new feature to the Sip and Serve podcast. You can also call us on our Sip and Serve hotline and leave a voicemail to be heard on the show. Our number is 740-720-3537. Listeners, thanks again for listening. Uh, appreciate y'all. Be good to each other out there. Thanks for the questions. Keep them coming. Just want to wish a happy Father's Day to my own father, Dave Givens. And also, I want to give a shout out to my friend Tim, who just recently became a father. Happy Father's Day, brother. I'm DG. I'm just along for the ride. And I'm Rolski. Quick shout out to my boy Jake, who also became a father this week. And my father, dad, Monk Roll. Stay hot, stay safe, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Sip and Serve Podcast.